I before had never seen eight games of rugby league in four days at the one venue in the NRL, but I'm a believer. I liked what I saw at Suncorp Stadium over the last four days. Hi, everybody. Warren Smith, Lara Pitt and Maddie Russell on You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all and we've spent uh, parts of the last four days, all of us up there at various stages. I was up there Friday night, Saturday and Sunday and I can't find fault with anything from the magic round. The magic round was absolutely magic and it went off. I'm sure the NRL are probably pinching themselves this morning saying how well... Did we pull that off? And it had to happen in Brisbane. Brisbane should be the only venue ever considered for the Magic Round. There's been talk already about how we bring it to Sydney and what format it would take and two stadiums and blah, blah, blah. Don't bring it to Sydney. It works in Brisbane. It's proven itself already one time around. Let's just keep it in Brisbane for eternity. Oh, really, man? Yes. I, I feel like it would go off at Bankwest Stadium. I don't care if you can't fit them in if they're hanging from the rafters. I think you set it up all around the ground and you'd put big screens everywhere and make it a festival. I think Sydney has to have a taste of the action at one point. I'm happy to bet it down in Brisbane over the next few years to really build it. But then take it on the road, highest bidder wins Mm -hmm. and the rugby league public can travel to Perth or Auckland or Bankwest Mm -hmm. or wherever. Let's see the game make some money out of it and the fans who are willing to travel. I knew people who came from New Zealand, who drove up from Orange, they loved it. Mm. And uh, a big tick of approval on with you was the surface held up, the crowds were there, the festival nature was there as we expected it to be. The only negative, the only non-magic factor was the injury list. Yeah, but it's already come out that that was a nothing phenomenal about that number. It's just a bit of a freak thing that it's happened this weekend, but we saw the same amount of injuries in this round last year uh, across across go. the board. So it was just probably as well the high-profile nature of the injuries. I felt like it was the nines on steroids because I did the ni- we did the nines a couple yep. of years in a row um, when it was over in New Zealand, uh, but this was just something next level. I've, I feel like I'm still coming down from the high of it all, really, today. Uh, the fans everywhere in the street. I, I'd been inside the stadium for majority of the weekend and then I had to run up Caxton Street to do a chat at one point for one of the in-between in between game shows and uh, I got to feel really what not just what was going on inside but the outside was just jam-packed and everyone from all walks of rugby league life supporting all, all teams on... Any day didn't obviously matter if their team was playing and running up Caxton Street to get this interview and just seeing, just look to my left and there's GI hanging out the bar having a drink (laughs) and he comes out and says, g'day. It it was such a a happy, um, encouraging, you know, everyone was just, just in such good spirits and even just staying at our team hotel that we stay at for Fox League, there were five rugby league teams just staying there. So we were all, everyone's mixing together in the lobby and having a chat and, Great access all weekend to all the players and staff. So, yeah, I could not say one bad thing about the whole thing. I love Caxton Street. Yeah. Take the right attitude onto Caxton Street and you'll <laughs> do okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Saturday was the big day as far as the three games were concerned. And, you know, you'd sort of say, well, boy, if, a bit like the Nines, and the Nines you were there literally all day. Mm. But Saturday kicks off at 3 o'clock the first game so you could be up having lunch and so you could have maybe a couple of drinks there. And then if you're staying all the way through to full time between the Storm and the Eels, the third game on Saturday, you might have had more than your share by the time <laughs> you get to full time. But I've got to say... I called the 5.30 game, the Warriors and the Dragons, and then went to sit with some relatives who um, had tickets over near the Bundy Beach sort of area, that yeah. Bundy Bar area in the corner, so the cool. south, uh, south eastern, eastern corner of, of Suncorp Stadium. And so we weren't too far from there. And great view. Everyone was having a great time. And I was actually pleasantly surprised that everybody was in decent enough shape. Like, it mm. wasn't messy, it wasn't ugly, and the vibe sitting around everybody around there and then on the concourse walking back to go and get a drink or get something to eat as well for that third game, I thought was terrific. And I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't hear of any issues in regard uh, to poor behaviour. Mm. Um, I think it all went pretty pretty well from that point of view. I don't know, I didn't hear, no. see, see any issues. There was no fights breaking out. I, I think the whole thing... Right from top to bottom was just remarkable how well it played out. I love the Brisbane cabbies. They're unlike any other <laughs> capital city cabbie. And uh, I got into one and I won't say, I can't say exactly what he said about Magic Weekend, but suffice to say, 
he loved it. He used more colourful, okay. explicit right. and he detailed <laughs> uh, language to describe the weekend but simply said yeah. he loved it and that's a good enough indication for me. The pure mechanics <laughs> of it all though as well, to have all those teams coming through one after the other from the away sheds, they have all the sheds underneath you know, the bowels of the stadium, you've got four sheds and obviously at one time you had four squads coming through and rotating, just watching all of that unfold without any issue. And I guess we had seen that before at the Nines and they mm-hmm. did it beautifully there where all teams were actually there, all 16 in one day. Yep. This wasn't as many, but, yeah, it just worked like clockwork and I didn't hear anyone complain. The players, as each of them turned up two hours before their kickoff time, there was another game inevitably going on, unless you were the first one of the day, and they would come down the side passage of the, you know, the corner of the stadium and stand there and watch and, yeah, they just, you could tell that they enjoyed every minute of it. Um, so, therefore, you know, they put on a show for everyone, not every team, and we'll get to that, but it still was, it was just a festival vibe, the whole thing. I love the fact that those sections and those complete bays of fans for, say, on Saturday, there were six teams playing in the three games and the supporter bases had either one or maybe two complete mm. sections at either the northern end or the southern end of the stadium. I thought that really added something, again, a bit like the the nines where you had supporters from lots of different teams. Um, and it just sort of, you know, obviously there's a lot of people came into town from either Sydney or wherever you come from to go to Brisbane for that weekend. And so it's a massive boost for the local yeah. economy, undoubtedly. And that's why the Queensland government put up the money yeah. to have the nines where they have it. And obviously New South Wales destinations, um, the New South Wales government will say, well, we'd really like this because mm. they're in the business, the same tourism business as the, the Victorian events and Queensland events. It's the same deal. Everybody bidding for big events to, whether it's bands or shows or whatever it might be, to come to their town to try and get people to come to town. So it works on lots of levels. And no doubt in Sydney, the response from the New South Wales government will be, we need to have this event here. But I know what you're saying about, you know, Bankwest and Allianz when it gets built and you can have games at both venues alternating day from day. But I just know from past experience, um, promoters of shows and bands or whatever else, Sydney is a really tough sell. Mm. For whatever reason, people will go to things in Melbourne and if it's rugby league, they'll certainly go to it in Brisbane. And it would be okay in Sydney, but I could see it being one of those things in Sydney if you had it for two or three years in a row, it would just start to wane and the, and the luster of it would wear off. Whereas I think in Brisbane, you know, and I've always said for the last five or six years, Brisbane is the heartland of rugby league in in Australia. And people will shoot you down for saying that. But it is the heartland of rugby league. I know there's only one team, and that's more to my point in saying all of this, is we desperately need a second team playing in Brisbane. When we have expansion, back to our topics earlier, you know, in, in this season, there has to be a second team in Brisbane. And the sooner it happens, the better for mine. Because I think while there was tons of fans come from outside Brisbane over the weekend... Just what we saw over the weekend proved to me that there needs to be a game in Brisbane every week of the season. It's crazy that there isn't. It'll happen. Let's hope it's sooner than later. But make Sydney jealous about Magic Weekend and then give it to them. And as soon as they start (laughs) to wane, say, right... Let's go. Don't elsewhere. let them get comfortable. Brisbane no. deserve it for the for the for the now. Uh, I spoke with Todd Greenberg at the team hotel where he was staying the same place as us uh, prior to day two. I think. Oh no, day three, Saturday morning, um, and he was getting constant feedback from you know everybody across the board, including Tourism Queensland, and they said that they had estimated already. I think by then that they were having thirty thousand interstate guests coming in for that whole weekend and on comparison the AFL grand final doesn't get that that amount so I know that this is a different concept it's it's a whole new thing but I think it shows that people if they're given enough time you said it Maddie they will plan ahead and they will come and I think if you stage it in Sydney and it's the same thing applies people will come I had the best time talking to fans in our lobby there's these gorgeous ladies from the Bulldogs that have supported them for like their 30, 40 years, and they travel to every game. So this was nothing new to be paying to put themselves up for the whole weekend at the Sofitel and following their beloved Bulldogs, who, let's face it, aren't travelling too well, Mm. but they go to every single game, New Zealand, Townsville, Gold Coast, wherever, and next weekend they'll be on the plane to the Gold Coast. But they love it, and they're just, you know, they're the diehards, and if they are given enough time, they'll be there for sure. Mm. It's great. What about favourite moments from uh, Magic Weekend? While you think of yours, I want to give you one that really stood out to me. Cody Walker is doing everything on the field this year. He's fantastic to watch. 
after the game yesterday, he did a cross into Sunday night with Matty Johns and halfway through his first answer, he just said to himself out loud, I'm hearing myself back and casually took his headphones <laughs> off. He was doing a headset interview, as we call it in the trade, then continued on with his answer and realising that because the headset was off, he couldn't hear the question, just lifted one ear up to get the next question, then lowered it, answered again, did the same for the third question and answered again with a plom, didn't miss a beat. And I thought, how cool <laughs> and composed is that from Cody? He is one capable cat, be it on the field or doing a post-game interview when uh, the technology lets him down, he still finds a way to make it work. Well done, Cody. Yeah, He'll been, get a gig with us. He's become <laughs> a Will. media performer. Yeah, that was I think by his smooth. own admission when he debuted at 26, he was a little bit nervous about the media commitments that were required of him and I think he's come a long way. Well, that can throw yeah. proven professionals, let alone yeah. a rugby league players just played a game but didn't miss a beat. Mm. What about you, Was A standout moment, a standout Ooh. performance or happening or something you noticed? Mm. And if you can't think of one last, I, you can, can jump in first. I mean, I've had a thousand um, incredible memories that I will try and ramble through quickly in the brain. I think the game yesterday was something I've never seen before between the Roosters and Raiders and it's not necessarily for the right reasons. The carnage that we saw was was calling it Iowa sideline uh, in that game was unbelievable and horrible at the same time because you don't want to see players going down and troops, you know, being marshaled into the, you know, ambulance. That was mm. horrible for, for Daniel Tubo. And, and I guess when I'm down there, you get to see familiar faces of people that work around teams every week. So, yes, we the, the media always goes for the coaches and for the players, but there's a team of people that work with, you know, these players week in, week out, and they are their family, basically, the you know, from the doctors to the support staff. And there was a lot of concern from the Roosters, you know, team of people looking after their players. Um, and I spoke with one of them at the end and, and um, they were really emotional about seeing, you know, Daniel head off to – Daniel Tupo head off to hospital. Boyd Cordner looked – he was really worse for wear after Not that great. head knock. He felt really yeah. unwell as well. So, yeah, I think we forget about, you know, it is a game and we're all like, oh, well, when are they back from their injury? That's the first thing we want to know as fans, you know. Well, when are they going to be back in the battle because we need them out there? But, you know, there's the human side and it was great and unbelievably crazy that Latrell Mitchell <laughs> from looking like his season was over and the roller coaster of just that moment, riding it on the sideline and then watching him come out and I'm like, mate, are you all right? He's like, yep. Mm. Really? And that's probably my moment, to tell you the truth, because the way he walked from the far corner of the field where he scored the try and then well, he he could barely walk. Like it was almost get a Medicab to get him back to the tunnel. He he couldn't move his leg more than 30 centimetres at a time. Mm. took him forever to get back to the tunnel to be assessed by the Roosters medical staff. And then at halftime, he's riding the bike and then he's off the bike and then he's swinging his leg. Suddenly he's jogging in the dressing room and he's gone from what looked like being, you know, four to six weeks minimum and maybe origin affected to back out there playing. <laughs> what, What's going on? I mean, he, he is a miracle and he's an absolute super freak. Well, what he can do on the field, he's a super freak healer. Mm. I mean, I've never seen anybody do that. Yeah, and then another highlight for me was then after that crazy game was the Roosters letting me come into the sheds for the team song, which is a new thing this year. Fox is getting access to that. So I got to feel the emotion of what was a pretty draining performance and to hold on and beat the Raiders in the end just by the skin of their teeth. Then speak to Luke Keary about it, Cooper Cronk, who'd just overtaken Darren Lockyer as our second all-time games player, um, and then Robbo, and he was still in shock. And he said he was, he just walked around to each of the players and said, mate, how many positions did you play today? And mm. most of them had said, oh, two or three, yeah. So, yeah, I, that that access, being up at the coalface of all of it on the weekend was awesome. S- similarly, the Storm game, and I know we're going to talk about that, uh, just unbelievable to watch that display from them and then be on the sideline with Craig Bellamy as soon as he came down and uh, was congratulating his players, contrasting with Paul Curtis Scott immediately, you know, with the fact that he's now facing a long-term injury. So it's just such an emotional roller coaster the whole weekend. The access has been fantastic yeah. this year from the coach interviews where you ask the three or four questions, not in that media conference type environment where it's a bit like facing the firing squad. Uh, that's been a nice injection this year, but especially the team songs. Mm. To have them as playoffs and play-ons and have their fans watching on Fox League and being able to ride the whole game and then feel like they're in the dressing room with them. 
It's been too long. Why did it take this long? AFL's been doing it for years. Mm. There's been a bit of a a push against to have that dressing room access, but I'm so glad we have it. It's a a wonderful uh, extension of the Fox League coverage this year was. Mm. Yeah, no question about that. I think the the weekend as a whole was basically a crystallisation of what we were talking about last week when we went through our mid-season review because I think everything we saw over the eight games, and I know everybody didn't play of, of everybody quite obviously, but I think in their own little ways, each of those games, I think probably confirmed in your own minds the thoughts you had about teams. You might have changed your minds about some other teams. But I think, you know, the Roosters, the Rabbitohs and the Melbourne Storm. Now, I know Melbourne had that hiccup, obviously, against the Sharks the week before. Um, but I think that they are still the three standouts with, with the Sharks and also the Raiders thereabouts as, you know, teams who we suggested in our mid-season review the fans of those teams should keep the uh, the first weekend of October I free. I cannot remember. Where did we leave Penrith? Did we say there's a chance we actually suck? Or? Penrith were, along with the Broncos, in the category of is there a chance we actually suck? Well, they should have been in bloody yeah, Bali or I Byron think, Bay after can, the weekend. Yeah, I think that now we can officially push them down already because yeah. that just... I can't see how they're going, going to turn it around from here. And it, from the body language and from the talk that I took from being down there at the end of that game, I, I just feel like they're in for a really long year and they're probably going to be battling out for the wooden spoon. From a very unfootballing point of view, I reckon two or three people now who work in the rugby league media have said to me, do you think this is karma in relation to Ooh. Penrith? And I've gone, well, I, I, can't, I can't suggest it isn't because it didn't play out well, did it, with the Tigers and the way they approached Ivan Cleary, somebody who was under contract and... You know, it's a bit of a free-for-all uh, with players and coaches, quite obviously, and the NRL have made noises about changing that in regards to coaches. But, you know, the way they went and approached a, a, a coach who was, in, you know, basically going into his second full season, would have been going into his second full season with a club and induced him to break a contract. They won't like that term, inducement, to break a contract, but for all intents and purposes, that's what's happened. You can't go past the fact that maybe there is just a little bit of karma here. I mean... What, if it's not karma, what's the reason? What's happening at Penrith? What isn't happening at Penrith for their abysmal performance in 2019? And Penrith fans will be asking themselves, what happened or what happens if Gus won? What happens if Gus got Wayne Bennett to us in 2019? Are we... Did well, Dave O'Neill come out in the last 24 hours and said that was yeah, BS. He said that Gus was mm. only like a fleeting thought, was never even spoken about at any level. It was a throwaway line basically from Phil Gould who said, what if I could get uh, Wayne Bennett to come here? It never went any further than that. The, the board went, no, we're not No, we're not going down that track. We're, we have okay. – our fallback position is Cameron Serraldo, um, and if we get Ivan Cleary, we get Ivan Cleary. But, you know, as far as they're concerned, and Dave O'Neill is fairly emphatic in the interview he gave Dean Ritchie in The Telegraph, which has been – I think it's in today's paper. Mm. Um, they weren't looking even considering for a second Wayne Bennett as a coach. So he wanted, to, he wanted to kill that, you know, stone dead. So – and then the da- next day we start hearing that they're going to get rid of a winger. Not Dallin Wittenius. Wittenius going maybe to the Eels. Yeah, so which, yeah, that seems... The clean out will start. I can just see it from happening from now on, that he's going to start making team changes. Well... Rebuilding a team. I, Ivan, you know, began with the team changes himself when he changed James Maloney and Ivan Cleary from where they'd played left and right and he switched them over for round one this year and kept them there for the first six rounds of the season until he realised... It's just not working. I've got to change them back to where they've played. All the, I mean, so what was, you know, Ivan needs to be questioned about that. What, why, what did you see? What were you thinking in regards to changing James Maloney and your son Nathan Cleary on their sides of the field? What did you think would be better that wasn't happening for them in the past? Um, so that, there was probably mistake number one. I, I guess mistake zero was what happened off the field with Tyrone May and everything else with the, the club under a, a cloud a, a pall to begin the season with everything that happened off the field and and that there's no clarification to obviously his situation, Tyrone May, and what's happening there. Uh, are there Were there other players concerned about videos being leaked or knowing maybe what's out there or coming to, coming to light? You throw all of that into the mix, it's been an absolute disaster. Mm. And I just don't see there's, uh, they're two and seven now. The problem is there's no 
there's no way there's no end in sight for that. That they are in this situation now. They've committed to Ivan for five years. They've committed to their yeah. halfback for five as well. So it just feels like they're going to be stuck in this situation now. For that's why I'm saying the rest of the season is just going to be a write off. And you wonder how long it will take them to correct it because they host the Warriors on Friday, 6pm, Panthers Stadium. And I, having watched them in Wagga Wagga where they were diabolical, I've never seen more aimless passes from a Panthers team. And I thought they'll be improved against West Tigers. I think last week I might have even tipped them to win. Yeah. Well, they were even worse. Oh. And, and so you think they can't be that bad again. Well, can they against the Warriors? We'll find out on Fox League the first game on Friday. The other uh, team who suffered a massive loss and a huge dent to their ego, and it's been a big talking point because they're a big club in Sydney or haven't been results-wise for a while, but given their geographical base and where they sit and the, you know, the success they had back in the 80s, the Parramatta Eels should be a much bigger club than they are. They've had huge issues uh, off the field as far as their administration and their board for a long time. They seem to have got that sort of side of it sorted out in the last 24 months or so. But they are Jekyll and Hyde mm. suddenly. They've got this brand-new stadium where, where they are just unbeatable and they've been unbeatable against the Tigers and the Dragons. But either side of that, they've gone on the road to Newcastle. They were average up there. They were below average up there. And then they were just flat-out awful against the Melbourne Storm. And as I say constantly, just going back in time gives you a better perception on what, you know, the makeup of teams and where they actually sit. You know, those wins against the Tigers and the Dragons... Well, the Tigers, I said last week on the show, they specialise in mediocrity. And so by beating the Tigers by 50 points in, on game one of your brand-new stadium probably isn't a real form line. And given the Dragons have now lost three in a row and in remarkably similar fashions in the last two weeks, how they lost the game to the Warriors, I'll never know. How they lost to the, the Eels, I'll never know. But those two wins at home for Parramatta suddenly, in the cold light of day, aren't very good form lines, are they? And then going to Newcastle, being beaten comfortably by, by Newcastle and then being lapped. I mean, it was incredible. I know they were down to 12 men at one stage with Mika Sivo off the field, but to have almost 60 put on them by the Melbourne Storm, and that was just flat-out embarrassing. And maybe the Eels just aren't the team potentially that we possibly thought they were earlier in the season. They put the in in inconsistent, the biggest yo-yo team in the league. Listen to this run, right? A plus is a win, a minus is a loss. They won in round two, plus 20, into minus 14, plus 12, minus 19, plus 45, minus 14, plus 14, <laughs> minus 54. Okay, so we're getting on them for a plus this week. We, we have <laughs> double-figure win followed by double-figure loss since round two. Mm. So following that form line, good luck, North Queensland Cowboys, <laughs> because that's who the Eels are up against this week with Was You Behind the Microphone Saturday 5.30pm Eastern Daylight. It will be a fascinating That's game a up one, there in Townsville and I can't wait to see how can't that Can't underestimate, though, that the Storm out. were hot because they were yeah. they had a cranky coach last week. I, I don't reckon any club <laughs> does a bounce back better than the Storm. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, and, and as we've said before, um, be careful about judging teams, I guess, too harshly off the back of playing Melbourne Storm, especially when they're in that sort of form. But mm. just going back through that season you've mentioned for Parramatta, their wins so far. Penrith in round one. Mm. That's not much of a form line there. They beat the Bulldogs <laughs> in week two. Again, not much of a form line. They beat the Sharks in round four. The Sharks have had injury issues. Um, that was probably their best performance of the season, to be truthful. Um, they then beat the Tigers 51-6, and they beat the Dragons 32-18. Yeah, they, they, they didn't look in the class of the Roosters back in round three. They got beaten by the Raiders 19-0, and they just got smashed by the Melbourne Storm. So maybe the Eels, in all reality, Nathan Brown, I think, was a big loss earlier in the season. But when they get him back, even with him back, maybe they are a seventh to tenth team on the ladder. That's, well, that's their position. Brad Arthur will be saying there are eight clubs with bigger headaches than us right now. They're running eight for Eels, mm. five and four. Mm. So, yes, their full line might not be great, but they do have five wins. 
as opposed four losses. So Eels fans, there's something there, but consistency, consistency, consistency. And the players said that after they beat St. George Illawarra, they said next week's the test. Next week is when we really have to win to prove we can go back to back, to prove that this and the West Tigers' performance here can be built upon. Well, they forgot that quick smart. Well, building upon the Newcastle Knights, that's what they're doing now. And uh, as soon as that game finished, I had to go over and interview Mitchell Pearce after they beat the Bulldogs. And the first thing he said to me is like, where are we on the ladder? After that, and I went, Oh, I don't have my ladder yet. Hang on a second, I'll just open up my app. He goes, I think we're ninth. I think that's got us up near the eight now. So he is just that's all he's thinking about where they are in the ladder, what it means for their season now. They've got three in a row. Then he called me Lana, which was hilarious. I don't know if you caught that. I caught that. No, I missed that. He was just he corrected himself. Yeah, no, we had a massive laugh. It was very, very, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Newcastle Knights building a little bit of confidence. They did fall out of that game in the second half against the Bulldogs and let them back in a little bit. Mm. Um, Great bit of insight during that game. Brett Finch was beside me and was. I know you've spoken about the slap that co-commentators give and we as callers give our co-commentators. Yes. Well, <laughs> during tackles, I think it was four and five, I'm getting slapped on the back from Finch. I can tell he's itching to get in, but I thought, well, back end of the set, I'll, I'll complete this and you're getting your turn. Basically, what he was spotting and what he really <laughs> wanted to talk about was it was 1610. Uh, the Knights, they were, they were within reach by New Ca- uh, Canterbury. And Mitchell Pearce at the back end of this uh, set directed two forwards to take an open play. He drifted short side, knowing that on the last play, he wanted to be close to that eastern sideline to drive it low and long into touch, which he did uh, to then buy his team some oxygen and some time and just to make sure they completed that set by making Canterbury come off their own 10-metre line. And, and as Finchie went through it, we replayed it, and, and, and it was spot on. Game management from a team that had fallen in a hole there. Uh, we'd been lauding Mitchell Pearce for his try scoring, his try assists and his kicking game, but that, that was perfect look at his experience and his game management uh, late in that game. I thought it was fantastic mm. from Finchie to, to spot it, to get in, and over the replay, uh, articulate it so well. Who have they got this week? They've got the Dragons in Mudgee. Oh, that's so right. We're it's, a, it's a big game for the. Mm. I, it's for both mm. because the both George Illawarra, the, the Wobbles, uh, and some mental demons starting to exist now. If they lead by twelve or fourteen, they're not home, are they? The Dragons this weekend and Newcastle. If they can go four in a row, they're back at fifty percent. They're likely to be in the top eight, and that's a fair salvage mission after losing five in a row. At which point, the coach was going to get the punt. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's a big game. Yep. And Mudgee deserves it. And if the Jack DeBellin findings are in favour of him before 4pm tomorrow, they'll name him and he'll play in Mudgee. That's what, that's what I learned on the weekend. Okay. So that would be a huge distraction for that game. Well, when is that. that happening? It was going we to happen two weeks ago. Yeah, I think it's happening this week. That's all we know. There's not going to be – they're not going to – send smoke out from some court. They're going to send an, a letter, I believe, to all parties concerned. Every. I think we're getting a heads up 12 hours before it's handed down. So okay. I haven't heard that yet and it hasn't blown up on Twitter. I'm sure that... Okay, we'll wait and yeah, see. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, that boy, that'll be a story in itself if mm. and when um, Jack DeBellin would be cleared to play by the courts. That would be incredible. Um, and a real blow, of course, to the NRL and I guess in their stand-down policy or maybe... On the other side of the coin, you would say with um, what happened with Dylan Walker and what's playing out now with Jack DeBellin, that is proof that the stand-down policy works, that the courts decide as to... Well, uh, no, that, uh, Jack, if Jack DeBellin... Uh, let me second-guess that. If Jack DeBellin is cleared, that really is a bullet to the, uh, mm. the stand-down policy, isn't it? Uh, that uh, it probably takes it back to where we were, whereas... It sounds like they'll change the policy to make sure it's correct this time. They'll do it. They'll just do it correctly and not hastily this time. And uh, but yeah, it will be hugely damaging. To honestly, we we could talk for an yeah. hour on the stand down policy, and I don't think we've got an hour. No, no, no. Let's just let's sp- wait till next. Wait and yeah. see what happens. Um, yeah, in the courts with Jack DeBellin uh, ahead of that game, potentially up in Mudgee. Boy, it, it will dominate um, if and when, like as I said, he got back on the field. Just back to the Eels for a moment and their opponents, the Melbourne Storm, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about um, Brad Arthur benching Reed Marnie and using Clint Gutherson as the dummy half in those opening sets against the Melbourne Storm and, you know, whether that just sent the wrong message or just didn't work flat out and they paid the price for that coaching move. Having watched the the opening 20 minutes of that game back this morning, just to sort of clear it in my head because I watched it from the grandstand, as I said, just as a normal fan 
on um, Saturday night, and you go back through it, and it, it it had zero effect. Clint Gutherson being at dummy half and Reed Marnie watching on for the first quarter of the game because the Melbourne Storm made a statement in the very first set of six. They went the length of the field with their kick, and they had the Eels pinned on their own goal line with their very first possession of the game. And I think just maybe in that one set of six or, or maybe in the next 15 or 20 minutes or so before, because it, it was nil all up until I think about the 15th minute when they scored their first try of the game. Um, the difference between the two teams was stark and a real difference as, uh, I think, a, an example as to why the Roosters, the Storm and the Rabbitohs have separated themselves from the pack in this competition, and while I think the Raiders are at sort of a chance, as we said, and also the Sharks, I think it's a racing three for the Premiership again this year between those three teams who probably, for in reality, fought it out amongst themselves in 2018 until the Rabbitohs um, had their issues. Melbourne are just so complete in everything they do, and it begins from the moment they identify talent in high schools or junior footy, wherever it is. If you go through the team that played the Eels on Saturday night, the 17 players who took the field, only three of them didn't make their debut for the Melbourne Storm. So... They don't go. (laughs) For all intents and purposes, they don't go out and sign massive stars, do they? And they develop their own stars. And while, yes, they've been very fortunate to have Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater all come through, almost or two of them at the same age, one of them a year younger or months younger, um, but... They, they get things right from the get-go. From the moment they go out to schoolboy carnivals or to high schools or watching junior footy and work out who they think could be good players in the future, winning for them begins all those years in reality before what's happening. So what happened on Saturday night against the Eels on that particular date, the 11th of May 2019, that was set in place, you know, two, three and four years ago five years ago, 20 years ago in the case of Cameron Smith potentially. I mean, they just get things right from the very moment they set their mind to do something and it goes through all their attention to detail. That first set of six, so it was a perfect set of six and they do this to teams, don't they? That You know, it's two passes left. He's going to get tackled there. We come back to the right. Kamika, uh, Asifa Solomona takes a carry. Then it's Jesse Bromwich and then we get the kick in. We've got momentum though kicking from, you know, 35 metres out to begin the game, they had the Eels on the back foot mm. from the opening whistle and they honestly don't recover. Mm. The score is 14-0 after 20 minutes. Parramatta only scored 10 points for the game. So in reality, the game was over after 20 minutes because Melbourne had done enough at that point. They, they still had to defend the rest of the game, but they had scored enough points in those opening 20 minutes to win the game. And they win tackles in that opening set. They won. They won the collisions. They they had you know legs tackles or one on one tackles or ineffective two on one tackles. The physical effort from Parramatta didn't match what Melbourne could bring to the table. And then when it was the other way around, Parramatta couldn't work it away from their own end in so many of those sets when it mattered. When the game was in in effect being decided in the opening twenty minutes, because Melbourne are experts, whether you like their tactics or not, or you think there's something wrong with their tactics. But they are experts in collisions. They win collisions with numbers in tackles and technique. They just tick so many boxes. The actual technique of making contact with the man who has the ball, they are the best in the comp at doing it. Maybe the Roosters are pretty close to matching them defensively and at times the Rabbitohs, but not too many other teams. Canberra had the best defensive record in the comp going into that game against the Roosters yesterday and their defence was cut to ribbons by what the Roosters showed in that opening 20 before all the injuries started. And it's funny, seeing all the teams in one venue in one weekend, I think really clear made my mind clear as to who are the teams, and you know, we went through it last week, who we think are good, who's average, and who is still working towards something down the track. And the benchmark, I know they didn't win the comp last year, but the storm in so many ways as a club, from the top to the bottom, are the benchmark in the NRL. And if, you will, if you're expanding the competition and you're going to have a second team in Brisbane or a team in Perth, the first thing you, I would do is send the future chairman and CEOs of those clubs to spend time with the Storm and the Roosters and the Rabbitohs and go and see why they are good mm. and the culture that's in place and then say... 
that's the benchmark. Go and replicate that in your new club. And the consistents that are there now that have been there are still the best conductor in the business, Cam Smith, the super coach, Craig Bellamy, and the football manager, Frank Panisi. They have been there for more than a decade, well more than a decade, and that's look no further. That's why they're the benchmark. Yep. You know, that, Panisi and Bellamy have had a, 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 a conveyor belt of assistant coaches and people running messages sideline who have now gone on to other clubs. They're the consistents and they've travelled overseas extensively and studied extensively. They are workaholics and those two take a bow because that's why Melbourne is Melbourne. Further to your point, Was and Lara, what about that top three? The Roosters, South Sydney and Melbourne. Are you saying that Melbourne right now would beat South or the Roosters in a one-off game? Was like Who's the best of those three? It sounds like you're leaning towards Melbourne. No, um, well... This week. No, I, yeah, off the back of what we saw against the Eels, but I, I still think the Roosters are the premiership mm. favourites. I think if they're all fit, I think the Roosters, as probably they proved in the grand final last year, and I know Melbourne had that disrupted week with the whole Billy Slater um, defence and everything like that, but, you know, it's a struck match between the two of them, and if they played again in the grand final in 2019, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. The Sharks have got a lot of upside in them in terms yep. of what they've got to welcome back mm, and the fact they that do. they do. I think are, they'll have a great second half of the season. Yeah, They're still so tough and so, yeah, they won't get spanked 64-10 very often like the Parramatta Eels will. Can I ask a question regarding Magic Round without notice? I'm looking at the Saturday crowd figures here. Game one, 12,000. Game two, 37,000. Game three, 41,000. Is that meaning that 90,000 people went through the gates on Saturday? Or is that that no, there was 12,000 there by total, the first one, 37 for, by the second, and, yeah. and 41 total for the day? I think total for the weekend was 137,000. So right. take from that what you will. It doesn't make sense. So I, I don't yeah. like that. If, if we're going to use crowd figures, let's get them right. And I don't know how we do it, whether you just announce the, the well, crowd no. figures for the day and divide it by three. No, no, no. It's just people coming and going. So there was 12,000 for the first game, then 37, then 41. All I'm asking That's for is accuracy. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that if we then – I want to be able to jump on the rooftops and say we've had the best attendance this season. Except I don't want to have murky, dudded figures. I want – Real deal. I think what they so, so I'm confused by how we're calculating crowd figures at Magic Weekend and potentially using them to enhance crowd figure reports at the end of the season. So 135,000, 137,000, eight it's about 17,000 yeah. average per game. Yeah, which is way more than you'd get. In which a round is well, then, which is the better place. than what we do in a regular round, isn't well, it? Well, then how? Why are the crowd figures listed as seventeen thousand, thirty-five thousand, forty-one, twelve, thirty-seven, forty-one, twenty-nine, and thirty-four? That's a hell of a lot yeah, higher well, that, than average of seventeen. That was, Hence my point. Yeah, that was always going to be a question uh, from the moment they announced Magic Round as to what the official crowd figures were going to mm. be and what that would mean for the averages, because they will be, I'm sure, be included in the average figures for crowds this year. Which you know, it, it, it'll bump it by you know at the end of the season. Uh, what that will mean as far as averages will probably bump it, you know, a couple of hundred per game or something. I haven't done the maths on it or whatever else, but yeah. um, it won't make that much of a difference. Um, it's, yeah, I know, where, I know where you're coming from. It's cumulative is all that matters. Is for how many people come through the doors every year to sit in a grandstand and watch an NRL game? That's mm. when you boil it down. And if you have two more teams in the comp, back to expansion, you will have more people undoubtedly come and watch Rugby League every season, which can't be a bad thing. If you add 41,000 to Manly and 41 to Melbourne and 37,000 to the Warriors, that's bumping their average crowds yeah. for the season fairly significantly. It won't mean a Zach if at the end of the day someone's in financial trouble no. and has to relocate as a result. I don't mean to be a spoil sport because as we've said, we love Magic Weekend. All I call for is a bit of clarity regarding those numbers and how they're going to be reported post-season. One of the other lovely things, because I'm, you know, a mum and, you know, going to get all girly on here. Happy Mother's um, Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Every club had 140 tickets allocated to them behind their behind their um, bench for family and friends. So they all just kept rotating in and out, the yeah. family section. And there were so many, you know, obviously there's a lot of players that have family from Queensland um, or they had their families flying up as well. Um, and, yeah, there was uh, some great stories. Jared Rear Hargrave's dad was there for his 200th Roosters game. Uh, Josh Papali had a cast of thousands because he's a Queenslander. Jordan Rapiner as well. I think he's one of ten. So he had everyone from the Gold Coast 
come up. Um, and then Edric Lee's mum, apparently she's got a fear of flying. So <laughs> she's based in Brisbane and so she's hardly seen him play because he's obviously played all of his games in Canberra and, and Newcastle and Cronulla. Um, but she got to see him run out for game 100 and unfortunately he got an injury. But, yeah, that was a nice thing as well to see a lot of um, the family and, and supporter base for the players getting up there and, and enjoying the weekend. Dylan Nupper got given 40 tickets and then left them at the team hotel for his family. Did he? Like, seriously, and players. somebody get had your, to get come your, go back to the hotel and get the tickets? together, yeah. Didn't he have some mates also who were congregating in Caxton Street and then coming over on yeah. mass they for the game? Yeah, yeah. Edric Lee, he's a Brisbane boy, game yeah. 100, had his jumper presented by Steve Renoff, a yeah. Brisbane great and, you know... Outside back extraordinaire. I thought that was a nice touch as well. Yeah. Plenty of stories. Yeah, always, Will aren't Chambers there. running out with his two kids into the fire and and the little girl <laughs> oh, screaming her head off yeah. was just gold for me. Yeah. Um, he got his jersey from Cameron Smith. So, yeah, all round we cannot knock it. No, at all, absolutely. And I think people would have loved to because <laughs> they had FOMO. In <laughs> we look Sydney. forward oh, to going sure. to. Magic round at Bankwest next. Oh, no, Suncorp next year was. <laughs> we'll be back at Suncorp. That, that is locked in. Uh, the Canberra Raiders, I mentioned them uh, being cut to ribbons by the Roosters' attack, and, boy, can't they attack. Um, mm. Cast your memory back to early last season. We were going, well, what's wrong with the Roosters? They've got all these star players and whatever else. But, you know, it takes a little while for things to gel, quite obviously. They have just got it firing at the moment. If they stay fit, uh, Daniel Tupé will find out about him in the next couple of days. Boyd Cordner, it wouldn't be a surprise if Boyd mm. perhaps was rested this week given the nature of his concussion. And Latrell Mitchell, well, I don't know, given what we saw in the second half, I presume Latrell will be having some treatment on that uh, groin. We'll see how it pulled up, but you'd imagine he'd be playing this week against the Broncos, and that's a massive game for the Broncos. But of the Raiders, they were the other team, along with the Roosters, uh, Storm Sharks and Rabbitohs, in our Keep the First Weekend of October Free uh, eight-week uh, end-of-term report card last week. Uh, injuries at the moment are hurting them. No John Bateman, no Joey Leilua. Um, and they picked up another injury for with Jordan Rapiner, as we saw on the weekend. That doesn't help them by any stretch. What did you make of them? I've, I, I think they, I'm, I'm prepared to say we might be contenders. I, back if they're all fit, and they probably will be all fit in the second half of the season once Bateman returns, he's going to spend some time in the UK with his family. I just don't know. I, I just the, the things that stand out of my mind about the Raiders are the Melbourne Storm, who beat them and looked a di- in a different class back in round two, admittedly back in round two, a fair while ago, early in the season. Now they've played the Roosters and the Roosters were at sixes and sevens um, with their in- injuries they think- had and did well to hang on. Mm. But the Rabbitohs play them this week and if, if think- they look outmatched by the Rabbitohs, I think that will confirm to mind that maybe – they're in the next line down behind those other teams. I think the Raiders need luck. They need everything to go their way. I think Ricky, Ricky said, said that. that. He said, and I think Bateman and Rapana, those are really big outs for, mm. for the team. Big personalities. Sorry. And sorry, did I say Rapana? Yep. I met Leilua. Sorry, because yep. he's out for the year. Yep. Um, and I don't think they had much luck over the weekend, especially with the travel. That was one thing hilarious. But yeah, I think. Probably got caught off early in that game. I think if everyone's fit, it's a different – it could have been a bit of a different scenario for them. They did come back, which, you know, maybe in the past they would have been mentally fragile and it could have been a a, a complete bloodbath. So I don't know. I think, they, I think they're definitely a huge improvement on last year and they could – they for could sure. surprise everyone. If if Bateman gets back sooner rather than later, what are they saying, six weeks for him? Yeah. Six to eight. I'm, yeah. I'm unaffected by their loss to the Roosters. I haven't changed my opinion, but the, the South Sydney game will be a big indication because they're at home and they need to win now, the Raiders. For me, the big excuse is Bateman. Mm. He, he was averaging more than 100 metres, more than 30 tackles. He was nearly leading their tackle busts. Having watched him live for the two games before he was injured, he was standing out as rolling the sleeves up and doing the hard work almost a Sam Burgess-type performance. I'm not going to put him in, in that class, but he was that sort of person to Canberra when they needed a bit of a lift. It was Bateman providing that. So I think he's the reason. If, if they can just pick up a few wins in his absence and then get him back, I still think they're there. They're right there. Mm. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how they fare uh, this weekend, as you mentioned, um, in that game. That's uh, Saturday, so 7.30. Saturday, 7.30. Blockbuster Cracker. down there, prime time in Canberra Raiders. And the Rabbitohs will be, be a beauty. And just looking beyond that game against the Rabbitohs, they then play the Cowboys at home. And they've got the Dogs, the Tigers on the road. 
Sharks at home, Eels away. So, you know, there, there's every chance while they're missing Joey Leilua for what looks to be the rest of the season and John Bateman for probably all of those games mentioned, you would think what they've shown so far this, this year, they would win the majority of yeah. those. Uh, uh, if they don't win the majority of those, then maybe there are bigger question marks yeah. about the Raiders than perhaps we thought. Maybe they aren't quite at the level of contention in 2019 and maybe they're still 12 months away from uh, being the team that um, Ricky... Well, Ricky's convinced they are the team. He said, mm-hmm. we are not the surprise packets of the competition. We are. I know the team that I've got at my disposal here and he... Whether it's just trying to mentally reinforce it with the players, but he but is adamant that they are contenders right here, right now. How delicate, though, is that? Because yesterday when Josh Hodgson looked like he'd hurt his knee badly, I was just like, that's mm. it. If he, if that was a serious injury, yep. today we'd be going season done because yep. like that's how probably. delicately Remember your season year? is balanced. If but, he isn't gone from that team, you could probably safely say they're not going to recover from that. That's mm. how important he is. When he returned that. last year, was at Campbelltown. He came on after starting from the bench from that knee injury. Mm. It, it was yeah. like magic yeah. dust sprinkled over Campbell. They changed in a second. Mm. They, they, it was a totally different team. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it before. And didn't we talk about that earlier in the year? Yes. Who's that player for that team yes. that has that magic and he's Hodgson. definitely super important. They can lose. They can't really afford to lose Bateman, but they absolutely need that guy mm. out there every week. Alrighty, Well, that is probably our wrap-up of Magic Round and mm. I've still got fairy dust in my pocket, so it's hard <laughs> to get rid of. I was going through the, the suitcase last night. I'm going to sleep for a week after that. Magic dust, fairy <laughs> dust everywhere. I was, there was a unicorn in the corner over there. It was, it was just, it was absolutely crazy. So let's look ahead to Round 10, beginning on Thursday night, the Storm and the Tigers. Uh, Maddie, you're on the sideline for this I'm one? I'm down there for that one. Looking forward to seeing two freewheeling teams in Magic Round head-to-head to start Round 10 because we know that the Tigers put, what, 26 points on Penrith in 27 minutes and we know that Melbourne put 64 on uh, the hapless Eels. Here they are, two teams off a win, off a free-scoring win, but Melbourne Farah off v. the Smith. back of that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you lean towards Melbourne. But I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. I am looking forward to that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Melbourne. But but is it is it high scoring? What sort of game do we get here? What sort of – I'm going to speak to Melbourne this week. I thought, what, what can you bring to the sideline? I might speak to Frank Panisi and just ask him about the way Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm approach a week after you've won in a canter and racked up a big score as opposed to the week prior where they mm. played poorly and fired a shot across the, the bow. I wonder what Melbourne do this week. I think that'll be interesting. Well, it's only a five-day turnaround. So uh, they played Saturday night, uh, travelled back to Melbourne yesterday, you would imagine. Pappenhausen will be full back. Mm. Hughes is going to have a, have a rest. Okay. After his big head knock. Yep. And that's a real blow, isn't it, having mm. Ryan Pappenhausen oh, step yeah. in. What a, what a fullback. Yeah. That is. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. They have been well stocked for fullbacks yeah. for the last couple of seasons. I think you can't go past the storm because Melbourne, the, haven't they? Tigers, the Tigers' mm. win was against a terrible Panthers team. So I can't. Can't go past the storm. Yeah, it's hard to uh, go past the Melbourne Storm to uh, win that one down there. But uh, yeah, they'll probably only have they'll have probably two runs all week. They'll uh, train. Would have thought um, maybe to uh, maybe tomorrow they'll have a captain's run on. Sorry, uh, on what Wednesday. Day? Monday. To, yep, yep. Yeah, they'll have a captain's run. You know, Wednesday and then play okay. Thursday night. So they'll barely have a couple of sessions on the field. Um, and depending on injuries, there'll be players maybe only train once. I mean, Cameron Smith, I'm not sure. Cameron seems to uh, get through that game with a bit of an elbow problem maybe at the back end of the mm. game. Also, he was he came off early. That was probably just always going to happen with the scoreline, but they seem to be looking at an elbow in the shed. So maybe Cameron only runs at the captain's run this week and... Um, yeah, takes on the Tigers on Thursday night, but you'd think the Storm would get the other uh, points down there on uh, Thursday night at Amy Park. Pass when it comes to the next one was yeah. pass. These two teams pass, individually and the cost Warriors. me that many tipping points this year. Th- this is a tips I've, nightmare I've, Didn't I say last week I'm never tipping the Warriors again? Yep. But I, how can you possibly tip the Panthers? So only because they're at home, and and but really, oh, no. really. Uh, Do we have to have a pick here? Yeah, let's not pick one. I'm, I'll take the Warriors. I'm on strike. You can't, you, I mean, <laughs> the Panthers are in I'm that. I'm at that game and I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, the Panthers are untippable is... until they win, until they prove they can beat yeah, I'm going to go the Warriors. That's a good way yeah. to put Anybody, it. Yeah. You can't tip them. That's so true. tip the Warriors. Uh, yeah. At least the Warriors won, won last something. week. Yeah. Um, they're three and six now. 
uh, maybe a little bit of momentum, a um, bit of you know, vibes. Cody Nicarima's over there. He's from all reports. Uh, Steve Kearney said he's as confident as Stacey Jones ever was coming into camp. And yep, let's go. I'm good, ready. To, I'm here to win. Let's get this going. And um, they came from behind to beat the Dragons and played well in the second half. So. Uh, winning form is a uh, typical form for me. I'm going to take the Warriors against the Panthers. The second game on Friday night, the Broncos and the Roosters. Big game for the Broncos because they looked good against uh, a depleted Manly outfit who um, have been, as we said last week, been doing it with sticky tape and bits of string and paddle pop sticks um, somehow, some way, given the injury list they've got. But um, it'll be a different story for the Broncos against the Roosters. We don't know who will be fit, who's going to be on deck for the Roosters with a few injury concerns. But, yeah, you can't go past the Roosters. Yeah, that one. I don't care who they trot out, the Roosters for me. I believe the Roosters are making it magic fortnight. They're staying up there for the week to get ready for this game. No, they're flying home. Okay, just Sorry, being tipped off. Story. <laughs> being tipped off. I received mail that the yeah, Roosters were actually were, staying up there. I think they considered it, but okay. they flew back last night at 8, eight o'clock. Okay. Yes. On the same Sorry. flight, were they, Lars? No, no. Uh, I was on the 6. I hightailed it. Me and, me and Wilds were on <laughs> the, the 6. The Smith family. Yeah. yeah. Lara Got Pitt to and Nick Smiths. were all on the uh, 6 o'clock flight. The very tall Brisbane Smith family. They're all very tall people. Yeah, we don't struggle for height now. No. The, the shortest member was on the plane also. The doggy. The doggy was underneath. Molly, the West Highland Terrier, was. You took the whole family and the dog. Well, Molly, How did this not come up at the top of the podcast? <laughs> yeah. My father-in-law lives in Brisbane and Molly has, in her almost 12 years of existence, probably been to Brisbane at least three times a year. She's, probably, she's been to Brisbane 30 times plus in her life and not always just for the weekend. That was a bit of – she's never been just for the weekend before. But if we go anywhere on holidays, so if we have a family holiday at, at the end of the year, um, Molly goes to Brisbane and she was up there for the, you know, six weeks or something okay. <laughs> over Christmas now, time at was. the end of last year. So Molly was on the plane with the Smith family yesterday. Did you think of packing Molly into your carry-on? Uh, no. The reason I, I ask well, is you could, because – In the US, it's, it's, a free, it's a free-for-all. There was an NBL player, Lamar Patterson – who joined the Brisbane Bullets during the summer. And guess what? He packed his French bulldog into his carry-on luggage <laughs> in the States and got all the way to the exit gates at Brisbane Airport before a drug-sniffing dog uh, smelt the French bulldog called uh, Kobe and started barking. Only then was he busted. He had a dog in his carry-on luggage internationally all the way from LA to Brisbane Airport and nearly got away with it. He's, so, a, he's a lunatic. Why didn't you try that? Um, well, you know, I'm smarter than uh, Kobe, <laughs> as it turns out. You need to and travel in the Middle East. They let dogs walk up and down the aisle. Okay, I haven't yeah. tried that one yet. As, um, as comfort, <laughs> comfort dogs. No, I don't know, it's just allowed. In, in the US, it's, it's, it's not, a comfort not just dog, dogs, no. it's anything. You can have a lyre bird <laughs> as a comfort animal. A python. Yes. Okay. Anything. Snakes on a plane. It's crazy. See, this is a better podcast. It is anyway. ridiculous over there. <laughs> okay, where did we get to? Anyway, um, we were talking... After the roosters We were game. talking about the roosters and the broncos. Roosters will... I wonder what the strangest animal taken onto a plane in the US <laughs> oh, would be. Trust me. A, trust a chimp? Me. Has a chimp ever been on a plane? It's a great place, but they're full of, it's full of <laughs> kooks. Absolute kooks, the US. Um, the Titans and the Bulldogs at 3 o'clock on Saturday... Um, again, uh, toss a coin for this one. Yeah, the, the Gold really. Coast and the Bulldogs. Really, the Titans have got more points. That's probably the only thing I. But can maybe say. the Dogs have more fight. Uh, you know, they, they were within a converted try. They fought back from uh, sixteen blot down. They do have a dig week in week out. So, what wins the Titans more points or the Dogs more desire? Maybe Ash Taylor, after he spent some time with Jonathan Thurston, uh, you know, spends a bit of time with. I feel like I can't do the, the Titans. They t- they fall into the Panthers category for me. The Titans. They, at they the couldn't score the dogs. They could not find that yeah, punch close to the line. To come by for Here in four and second game back, he was still troubled by that ankle injury. I think he was. Yeah, and he admitted. I ran into him that that night, and he said he was told by the doctors the fastest they've seen someone get back from that surgery is seven weeks. He was back in six, missed five games. Uh, he said he still clearly felt it but wanted to get back. I think he'll be better and therefore the dogs will be better and therefore I'll go with Canterbury. Okay. Yeah, Ash Taylor, uh, as I said, he, as he described it, spending some time with the GOAT, the greatest of all time in his mind, Jonathan Thurston, uh, about his play and just trying to get uh, his 2019 season uh, started up a bit better. So I'm going to say that will rub off and the Titans might just beat the dogs up there at home at Seabus Super Stadium. 5.30 game uh, I'm calling this one the Cowboys and the Eels up there at 1300 Smiles. 
And awesome. I don't know. I just dead set don't know. They're on the road. So, I mean, they've what been heroes at home in the brand new stadium. They've been awful on the road. On the road again this week, I'll tip the Cowboys just for the fact that they're at home and um, – yeah, oh, that's well, a, that's pretty much my sole. Weren't record. you listening to Matty's plus and minus? Lost. They haven't lost consecutive oh, games I all know, season. Was that's well, that's you know <laughs> records are made to be broken. They're meant to win by double. Following my path here, they're meant to win by double figure points. Okay, I'm going Eels. Let's let's go. Like, we need to remember that para, for next week. Para. Okay, we'll yep. come. We'll, we'll revisit we'll all. Maybe we should circle. revisit our tips all the time. No, <laughs> Raiders and Rabbitohs. Yeah, maybe not. Raiders and Rabbitohs. Seven thirty game. Uh, Great game down there. Um, I would think the Rabbitohs, given the Raiders' issues with a couple of injuries um, and long-term ones, I think the Rabbitohs just uh, doing what they do and um, they might be too good. Only beaten once this season, South, by a point in Golden Point against Manly. Winning form's good form, South Sydney. Lara? Yeah. You want to tip Canberra, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> but, yeah, what were you talking about then? I, I, I wish I had a tip. photo of your face just <laughs> no, then. What's just, oh, yep, me? Well, I just feel like it's, it's a hard, it's not that straightforward. Okay. Well, you said Canberra it's the blockbuster. Yeah, I'll just what do you be different. Think? You're going to be different. Just say Canberra for, for the sake of being different. <laughs> well, that's the, how good is that? That's how good, good is it? That the I, mean, so I just don't think any of these tips, it's impossible. It is impossible. No, no, of course it's not. Yeah. Dragons, Knights. At the, Dragons, Knights, all the best. You're going to go Knights, aren't you, all, both of you? So hang on, just to confirm, you are going Raiders. I'm going Raiders. Yeah, Brian. you are going yeah. Raiders, Matty Knights. Oh, the Dragons, Knights. In that game at Canberra Saturday <laughs> night. The Dragons do play the Knights up there at Glen Willow Oval. We were up there. Uh, yeah, Lars and I were up yeah, there for the um, pre-season Shield. game, the Charity Shield game against the Bunnies, and that was great atmosphere, big crowd. There'll be 10,000 there uh, again on Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon for this one. I was there last yeah, year, Dragons Canberra. That was a mm-hmm. great event, little patch of green. This is the coalface of drought-stricken central and western New South Wales, so hopefully this little green oasis can be an oasis of sorts for the people who are battling the big dry on the land. I hope you can have two hours away from your farms or your interests, get to the footy and really get a kick out of it. Mm. I'm going to tip. I'm going to tip. <laughs> Here we go, Was <laughs> In the wheel. I barely got past Magic Round. Now I'm trying to think what's going to happen next Sunday afternoon. I'll take, I'll take the Dragons. I don't really know why again. Boy, it's, a, it's an awful week for tipping, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Red some of v, these games. Some not of a part games. of me, but I'll tip the Dragons. Lara? I'm going to tip the Dragons. Oh, clean sweep. Sorry, Newcastle fans. <laughs> I don't know. Now, I, I really liked what I saw from Jay Field um, as a replacement for Corey Norman for the moment. I thought he was pretty good. I'm not sure what uh, the Dragons faithful were thinking. Lara, if there was any Desperation feedback. stakes. They must win now. We're yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think he's got a future in the in the NRL. Jay Field just was a matter of where it is because it, it, obviously with Corey Norman there, he's he's going to be a fill in. It would seem, um, you know, for a couple of seasons if he chooses to stay with the Dragons. But I think there's probably a couple of clubs out there who could um, maybe use his abilities. The Sharks and the Seagulls, final game of round ten. This one I'm calling this one down there at Points Bet Stadium, flying back from Townsville, and I might just go get out there early and park myself and soak up the mm-hmm. vibe of the swamp down there by the bay. I'm going to go for Cronulla. I think that that Manly's injury toll is starting to wear them thin. Mm. I think that I was doing some digging daily. Cherry Evans is going to be back sooner rather than later, but he definitely won't be back for this game. Actually, Daly, Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran, good mates from their Manly days and the same injury, and it's Foran who's been speaking to Daly, telling him the way to get back and encouraging him to beat the doctor's timeline. So Mm. it well might happen. But what Moses Suley, Arpi Corusau added to that injured list that, of course, includes Turbo and for the time being, Daly, Cherry Evans and many others as well. Not enough troops. Battle of the beaten up teams. This one, isn't it, in some respects? But Cronulla... Uh, define the odds and at home was you must have an early flight to get there in time to soak up the atmosphere of the swamp. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about like a five fifty-five a.m. First one Townsville, out, which I thought had been canned. I didn't think that flight existed anymore. They brought it back for you from Townsville to Brisbane to uh, then connect on to um, Sydney. Maybe they did. Maybe there's a charter. <laughs> um, but I'll be up. Boy, I'll be. I'll be in. It's election night. And it's um, the, uh, the oh, yeah. what is it? Raiders Rabbitohs. So I've got. 
you know, I'll probably have the phone, maybe keeping updates on what's happening with the election and then uh, watching the Raiders and the Rabbitohs back in the second half of the time. <clears throat> excuse me, get back to the hotel room um, on Saturday night up there, but I'll be in bed and asleep very, very early to be up at, I don't know, 4.30 or something to catch the 5.55am. Does ScoMo make it to Points Bet Stadium on Sunday, win or lose? Celebrate. Ah, uh, <laughs> or commiserate. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. You're backing him to be there. I think win or lose, we should have a, a what, what what price would he be at points? Seeing as as it's points bet stadium, what price Scomo to be at Sunday uh, if he loses? I reckon I reckon he's a dollar eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Shadow boxing no, reckon, terribly reckon, like no, we've seen him earlier on. This I reckon season. he's shorter than that. I reckon he's he's if he wins, uh, there's no betting. He'll be there, <laughs> and if if they lose. Then he's a dollar fifty. No, I reckon he's going to be there because what better way? If you get beaten on election night, you feel good about yourself having a couple of cans and a pie among the punters at the footy, don't you? You feel the world is good again. I'll tell you what, I've never lost an election, so I can't imagine <laughs> what it feels like. But it can't. It can't feel great. I'm pretty sure, um, <laughs> given what's been happening in the imagine country the, over the past two or three. If years. he's won the night before. Imagine ScoMo waltzing into Points Bet Stadium and all oh the media contingent God. and all the security. It'll be unbelievable. Wow. If that happens, it'd be like it, Lara it would be, walking into Suncorp Stadium. It would be <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Down Caxton Street. <laughs> it would be unbelievable. We'll wait and see if ScoMo appears, maybe like Harold Holt from the sea, walking up from, from, from Northies, right. having had a couple of uh, drinks to either drown the sorrows or celebrate with, and then straight up to Shark Park after that. It's a I'll big be, walk from Northies to Shark Park. I'll be watching from the Clock Tower Hotel in Mudgee Was. Okay. Good luck to you. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming in this morning after your efforts over the weekend, especially you, Lara. You are on deck Super and uh, fun. Trojan effort well played. Do you get Mother's Day today? Is it like put back 24 Mate, hours? Mate, I'm going home to do a thousand load of washing. That's what <laughs> I've got to look forward to. The life doesn't stop when I leave and then I come back and it's a mountain of... A train wreck. So. Maybe next Sunday. Yeah, maybe. Well played. We look forward play. to Magic Round in 2020 back at up Bank there West at Suncorp. Was. Stadium. No, no, <laughs> up there at Suncorp. Until next week, you can take <laughs> me out. I have seen it all.